This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. Today I'm joined by the whole crew for a great episode coming at you today. Word of the week is sweep, a new five-letter word for you Royal fans out there. Sweep is the word of the week. As the men's basketball team won both legs of a home-and-home with rivals Georgia Southern on Thursday and Saturday, and Georgia State Baseball pulled off a four-game suite of the Mastodons of Purdue-Fort Wayne to open their 2022 season. We're going to talk about those successes and look forward towards the end of the basketball regular season and uh, the final game at the GSU Sports Arena. But first, gentlemen, how are you doing? I really wanted you to do like the Elmo thing with that and, you know, pretend like it was the L is the letter of the day, but, you know, you sweep or some sort of, you know, (laughs) mismatch from there. But uh, I'm good. You know, Georgia State Athletics are good right now. So that's probably a good thing. You know, things are trending upwards. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can ever say it's a bad time when that just happened this past weekend. And I mean, you want to talk about a reversal of fortunes. Georgia Southern lost both those games to Georgia State. And they, instead of hosting a team like Purdue Fort Wayne, they went up to Tennessee in baseball and got hammered in the three-game series, Mm -hmm. lost all three games. One of which was to a, a guy who transferred from Georgia Southern to Tennessee and struck them out 11 times. So that's brutal. You know, things could have gone better for that place down south. And, you know, golly darn, can't believe it could happen to them. I tell you what, you know, it's just really tough sleep. to see. It's tough to see, but uh, I think we're going to have to soldier through. So uh, back on task here, uh, just one more reminder hashtag state not southern. Panthers got the double last week beating Georgia Southern 79 to 63 at home on Thursday and surging late to steal a 58 to 49 win at Hannah Fieldhouse on Saturday afternoon. Thursday's game was tight through the first 20 minutes, but state exploded out of the halftime break and jumped out to a double digit lead that they would never look back from the largest lead. Uh, the largest lead before coach Lanier brought out the backups was 75 to 53 with 312 remaining. Saturday was a different story as Southern held the lead for most of the afternoon. It was their turn to make a run at the uh, start of the second half, leading by as many as 12 points in the early minutes of the period. But the Panthers battled back and cut it to single digits from the 744 mark and trailing 46-41. They did not allow Southern to make another shot from the floor, finishing that's insane. Finishing the game on a 17-3 run to clinch the rivalry sweep. Georgia State now sits at 13 and 10. Talk about reversal of fortunes on seven and five in Sunbelt play. Good for fourth place and the final first round by slot in the conference tournament. Gentlemen, lots to unpack here. What are our thoughts on a great week of Georgia State basketball? I want to start with Saturday's game. And I know this is a little counterintuitive to what we normally do, but I saw something online that essentially was of the vein that Georgia State did not win that game on Saturday. They uh, Southern lost that game. And I cannot emphasize how incredibly incorrect that sentiment is. Okay. If Georgia Southern went seven minutes and 44 seconds without making a basket, that's not just a team losing a game. If you watch that game, The final, I'll just give it the whole eight minutes. The final eight minutes of that basketball game was won by Georgia State completely. And I I went back and rewatched that part of the game to the end. 
And it like if the the scary part of that Georgia State performance was Georgia Southern was beating the crap out of them before the score wasn't indicative of that because Southern was missing some shots in the second half, but Georgia Southern had complete control of that game. And then something happened with like eight minutes left in the game. And Georgia state said, absolutely not. We are coming out of Hanner Fieldhouse with the win. And you know what? You look at this, you look at the offense, 58 points scored over the entire game. That's not great. It's, it's a huge far cry from the 80 points that, you know, we're, we've been seeing from coach Lanier teams and it's a, you know, it's not even a good, it's not even a good place for where they've been recently. However, Georgia state absolutely won that game. You know, defense is going to win you some basketball games sometimes, and you cannot overstate how important Georgia state's defense was in helping them come away with a victory against Georgia Southern. Yeah. I mean, it kind of flipped at a certain point because in both these games, the defense wasn't what we've seen in recent weeks in the first half. And that kind of extended a little further into the second half on Saturday. On Thursday, pretty much from the jump in the second half, at least until like the game was out of reach, State was pretty in control of doing what they want defensively. But Saturday, it was a struggle. And it really felt like one of those games because, you know, you see three straight times down the court or three straight times that Southern scored. It was on contested threes. And the last one was, it was either Bryant or Brown, like at the end of the shot clock, just kind of having to throw up a shot guy contests it and he just buries it. And you sit there and you go, okay, maybe this is just going to be one of those days, especially if shots aren't falling for you. But the defense flipped on. I thought Jaheim Hudson played a hell of a second half defensively and also he got some putbacks, got some rebounds at the other end, and really, he's a guy who's you know maybe looked a couple of times like he's maybe hit that freshman wall that you kind of expect young guys to hit, especially if they're playing in the front court. But he's gotten over that because he had a really good week this week, and then it can kind of continued. You started to see the offense feed Lel more down low, and he was hitting some shots. And yeah, I mean, not really sure what else you can say about that final. It wasn't for just, ah, uh, these open shots weren't falling. They were getting good contests down the stretch. And then I, I don't really know what happened with the uh, late game offense for Georgia Southern, but it ended up being a couple of just really wacky, bad turnovers that w- didn't even give them a chance, really. And Georgia State hit their free throws down the stretch. Yeah, you know, like the, I... I don't want to I don't want us to nitpick necessarily what we see, but, you know, Georgia State, they had a good weekend, you know, and like you said, that that flip, the, the whatever light switch went off late in the second half of that second game, you know, it just kind of looked a little bit similar to how they played for the entirety of the first game. You know, it was just a really good weekend for Georgia State basketball. And, you know, I think. Everybody's still looking for their shot. You know, this weekend you had Justin kind of be the hero a little bit. You know, you've had other guys, um, you know, and like I said, Thursday was a much more complete performance. You know, Kane was the hero in that game. But, you know, it's it's crazy to still watch this team, you know, finding their shot, but still able to put up such, you know, nice defensive numbers. And, you know, you kind of wish that the offense always looked like it did on Thursday, but at the same time, though, if they're going to play defense like they did on Saturday, then you just kind of have to shrug and say, okay, I hope that version of them shows up when it comes to, you know, Pensacola. 
Yeah, I mean, we're running out of time for it to suddenly be a team that's shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from three, like we've seen from past Georgia State teams. I still think that there's a chance that, especially if they keep getting some of the looks that just aren't falling, that it's going to be better. And there might be a game where you start to see it flash, and you sort of saw that on Thursday. But the defense has been legit, and just except for just some stretches, and it kind of happened this week. Um, I'm not I, the first half in either game. I don't think was particularly great defensively, and um, Savrasov and Toyambi were kind of a combo down low that Georgia State hasn't really been successfully challenged like that where they were just getting the shots they wanted to in the low post like that isn't really something that teams have done to lel and jalen but you know when it counted like down the stretch in that second half savrasov who had 14 uh sorry savrasov who had 17 in the first half on saturday had just four jaheem and jalen combined for seven blocks in the second half and just started taking away a lot of the layups that were maybe going in in the first half and yeah, like I said, free throws again, which there were still a few too many misses probably on Saturday, but not late. Late, you had Evan Johnson, you hit two, Kane hit a pair, Jaheim hit a pair, and you stayed in it when maybe you it should have been more of a deficit in the second half, and then you got that run, and you cut it into single digits, then you got that second run where Justin Roberts scores five in a row to give you the lead, and that just felt like such a like you could palpably feel it even through the TV screen how much everything shifted. The crowd got shook by losing the lead like that. It certainly fired up Georgia State's team, who the bench stays incredibly loud when good things happen, especially on the road. You can kind of just hear like the one pocket of voices going crazy, and that certainly happened in that case. And they saw it out. You know, Kane kind of a quiet game, other than he had six assists, which was good. But down the stretch, he hit a big three that gave him a five-point lead. He hit the free throws. He still wanted the ball in his hands. And he was a part of just a general effort of just peskiness. And, you know, I talked about those turnovers, but some of it was just there were guys getting hands in, you know, disrupting and forcing some bad passes. There was one sequence. I don't remember the Georgia Southern players involved, but they were trying to go like really fast out of a timeout and just got to fast for their skis and Georgia Southern Georgia state players were trying to rip at the ball. And it ended up leading to just a wayward pass that went off of another Georgia Southern player out of bounds. And it was a live ball turnover. You know, they needed to just get any kind of basket and they didn't even get a shot off. And this was, I think when they were down five, five or five or six, something like that. And so, yeah, just when this team plays defense, like they have been doing of late, it's going to keep them in every game. And, the tricky thing is that it kind of works the other way as well, where the team's shooting is going to keep teams who you think you should be beating in games if they don't get that in a better place. But we saw them lose a lot of these games, or at least a couple of these games earlier on in conference play led to the own four start. And it hasn't happened since the Troy game. You know, they're starting to get the medal that coach leader likes talking about, and they're finding ways to win games they found a way to compete and get a win in a game two days after handily beating a team and then getting a pretty good response from the team who lost by almost 20 and wanted to show that they weren't that bad. And so tick, tick, you got two wins. You're in control of your destiny for a bye right now. 
you know, make no mistake. Like Georgia State right now is shooting less than forty percent from the floor and uh, less than thirty-two percent from three. It's not good. It's not great. You know, I think they, as at least of late, have been kind of buoyed by Kane's, you know, really nice free throw shooting. You know, I, I feel like actually everybody uh, outside of Eliel has hit, you know, a good majority of their free hey, throws. Of Eliel's late, been so, better too. You know that. Yeah, I, I think he was better. Head, he's been hitting more recently. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, he's three of five on Thursday, um, and then like sixty percent isn't was, great. But yeah, you take three of five also. from Ellie. You take like that. you take that from your yeah. Brain. That's true. And that's where you, you need um, your your guards to do better than three of five or something like that because that you aren't going to bank on guy like Ellie hitting eighty percent of his free throws. That's why you need guys like Kane to do it. Right. And, you know, my point is just that, you know, like you said, there's two games left in the regular season. You know, we we could be sitting here in a week, even if Georgia State wins their next two games and talk about how they finish the regular season under 40 percent from the floor without rounding and, you know, under 33 percent from three, which, you know, that's probably just average, if you will. So um, it's those numbers are probably not going to necessarily improve unless there is just an absolute clinic on Thursday and Saturday, or excuse me, on Wednesday and Friday against the Louisiana schools. But, you know, I don't know. Like, like you said, like this defense can probably run with anybody in the conference. So I still think you got to roll the dice with this team. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know? Yeah. And it's not like Texas state's a good offensive team. Like that's their calling card this year. And I guess the, the, the thing about a potential matchup with them down the road both ways is they haven't played each other in the last two seasons. So it's going to be kind of a mystery both ways. As far as it's one thing looking at film, but it's different if you've played them like, you know, team like app States played Georgia state something like five times in, in the amount of time that Texas state hasn't played them once and vice versa. So that they're the one where it's kind of hard to pin down who would benefit because it'd be kind of like an offensive defensive clash, but like put them aside and South Alabama to a degree, there's a lot of these teams that are just kind of bruising. They play defense first. That's what they want to get it down to. And so you look at Pensacola, it it might be a situation where Georgia state, if they're going to win and go to the NCAA tournament is going to be in two or three games that are like what we've seen. And it's kind of to the benefit of both teams involved to have it play out that way. Just the teams that are more geared for defensive uh, slobber knockers and whatnot. And Georgia State just got to keep being the better team at those type of games. And that's what they've been as they've now gone seven of eight wins. Other thing I wanted to mention, and this is neither here nor there, except it is because it's a rivalry. Georgia State now has clinched a winning regular season. And in the same set of games, Georgia Southern cannot have a winning regular season. Like if they go on a run in the tournament, they can get above 500 for the year, but it's going to take that at this point. They're three games under 500. So it feels like the the culmination there of rivalry, just if two birds with the same stone. No, that's that's very funny, you know, especially given like where both like, you know, Georgia State is obviously not having the season we we and most people expected them to have. And, you know, so still being able to keep Southern from 
clinching a winning record and it's that's just the icing on the cake that's great and you know this just another random thing i had and we didn't really talk about thursday a lot but the one stretch in recent times we've seen the georgia state offense kind of click like we're used to seeing was the beginning of the second half on thursday night against georgia southern and it was to the point where it literally was something like we haven't seen all year because you go to chempom.com, they can give you the breakdown of quarter by quarter in, in that 10-minute quarter sections rather than halves. The third quarter of that game, be it starting from 20 on the clock in the second half to 10 on Georgia State outscored Georgia Southern 32 to 16. That 32 is the most Georgia State has scored in a quarter all season. So literally completely different from what we've seen before. And also would want to mention... Quarter four on Saturday, Georgia State outscored Georgia Southern 22 to 5. So let's go ahead and move on to talking about the final week of Sunbelt play, and it's the Louisiana schools will come calling to the sports arena. Schedule's been moved up a day for the week, so we're looking at a Wednesday night showdown with ULM and a Friday night finale against our old friends, the Cajuns of Louisiana. Both games start at 7 p.m. Eastern. State's win over these two teams on the road started their recent run of good form, and they'll be looking to earn another set of season sweeps. If they do and win both games this week, they're guaranteed a first-round bye in the tournament, but it'll just be a matter of which of the top four seeds they land at, depending on how the other games across the league shake out this weekend. Only Texas State, App State, or Troy can finish as the number one seed and regular season champions. The highest the Panthers can get is the number two seed. ULM is mired in the bottom of the league at 13 and 15. 5 and 11 in conference play. A 2-0 week for Louisiana, though, and they could finish as high as the number 4 or 5 seed, so they'll have it all to play for. At 12 and 13 and 7 and 8 in the belt, they still have the chance to finish above 500. So, gentlemen, last two games in the sports arena, last two games of the season against Louisiana schools, how are we feeling? The thing is, is you've done this great job of turning the season around. You're in the driver's seat for getting a bye, which kind of a bummer that you're still at this point that you've turned it around. You don't really have a chance at the regular season title, but really given the circumstances, what you really desire is just that first round buy. And so that's a win in itself. You can't go into this set of home games against two teams. You've already beaten on the road and drop a game. You shouldn't, that's going to possibly leave it up to fate, whether you get that buy or not. Like <laughs> you're back in a situation where you're Georgia state basketball. You've got two home games. You've got to win these. Like that's, where things are say the fact that they don't have a chance at the regular season title you know i well i should say i would expect that to be some sort of motivation for them going into this weekend because you know there is still a lot to play for obviously georgia state does a really good job of winning at home you know but still the louisiana schools you know ulm might not necessarily be a great basketball team, but Louisiana has potential sometimes, and you know they're a pesky team. And I think Georgia State is going to want to say, "All right, you know we can be up to that two seed." Like given where we were a month ago, a month and a half ago, like you, you know when you started conference play, you were at the bottom of the Sun Belt, and now you're finally in a position to you know compete with some of the top teams, despite the games that were canceled. So you know them not having a shot at the one. You know, I'm sure they'll take that in stride. But at the end of the day, like you said, Georgia State, if they win these two games, you know, they're looking at a good spot in the tournament and, you know, they get a chance to kind of relax and, you know, kind of get some rest and 
find a way to hopefully make a run deep in Pensacola. Yeah, I mean, not trying to make light of either of the teams, just kind of the fact of the matter of where you've got to win these games because, you know, ULM gave Georgia State some trouble offensively, kind of out of nowhere because that wasn't really what they were hanging their hat on. But that game in Monroe, they were winning up into like the 16-minute mark in the second half. And it was really another one of those games where Georgia State put together a real closing stretch on defense. It was another seven-ish minute stretch at the end of the game where they didn't allow a field goal just that that dang one at the buzzer that nobody was happy about except you know congrats to ULM for that um so you know for 24 minutes of that game plus ULM was making a lot of shots they were getting good shots and so definitely it's not you can't just say well look at the record like obviously they had something working and Georgia State was going to a zone in that game, not because they wanted to, but because they felt like they kind of had to. And I remember Coach Neer being like not too thrilled about that. And I think blips against Southern aside, the defense is in a much better place. So I think that they're better handled to be ready for whatever ULM is going to show. I also believe Gonzalez is the player for them who did not play when the teams met before and he's been playing recently, so he should be back. And so they would at least be one spot deeper in the rotation. So that's a factor to consider, but you know, it would be nice. It does feel like the candidate without being disrespectful to ULM. It does feel like the candidate of these games to give you that shooting performance where you go, that's the Georgia state. That's going to cut down the nets in Pensacola. Like it's the worst team when you look at, efficiency ratings, Ken Palm and whatnot, and just by record and place in the conference. So certainly if the Georgia State Panthers go into this game thinking it's a game that they can run the score up on, that's like a bona fide formula to lose a game, but not necessarily prepare that way. But at the end of the day, it could be a game like that. It could be the first real, well, second real blowout after what you did to Southern last week. You know, like that ULM game in Monroe was the first time we looked at the defense and we're just like, huh, there might be something there with that. Cause Louisiana, that trip in general. That That's true. That's true. I, I feel like they, I, you know, the games that they played before that were close. It, it wasn't like anything uh, was a super blowout besides that. You know, I think the South Alabama game back on the 13th Only of January. By nine. Yeah. Like, and like, so that one still wasn't a blowout by any standard. Right. I, I think Georgia State just kind of stopped hitting some shots and South Alabama hit like a couple more. Um, but like it was really that Louisiana trip that was just like, OK, so this defense might be kind of legit in a way. OK. And, you know, it's kind of carried it through then, you know, and it's hopefully they can put, you know, two more wins together. And it's it's funny because I feel like this season really does mirror last season in terms of the pauses. Like, oh, is this team that's expected to win the Sun Belt? Are they going to do it or whatever? And, you know, here we are. They're on a run. And, you know, it could be the same type of run that leads them to the Sun Belt Championship game. So, like, this team has medal. This team has... You know, they've been in this situation before. They've just got to find a way to get over the hump. And I think it's good that they're facing, you know, two of the quote unquote worst teams in the Sun Belt to, you know, kind of end the regular season. Yeah, I would. There at least isn't the team like Louisiana's coming in outside of outside chances to get to a bye. It would take Georgia State losing out. I think South Alabama has to lose out as well. And they would have to win both games, which isn't at all a given because they lost to both these teams when they played them at home. Uh, 
but you avoid one of like the top of the league types that's winning. Like the the Alabama trip's no fun because both those teams are hanging around the bye spots. Troy it still has a chance to win the Sun Belt this year. Neither of these teams are really pushing at that level, so it feels like we've we talked about it. We laid it out. It's kind of like how we laid out the uh, October football schedule. So maybe we're onto something with the foreseeing the future a little bit. Which like it once you got to the Southern games, you felt like three and one was really doable. Now, you know, three and one isn't probably going to feel like a much of a victory if you manage to drop one of these games. But three and one or four and zero would feel like the likely outcomes and. It set up that way. It looked like if you get through that trip to the Carolinas, you'd be in a good place. You've gotten some help with App State's dropped a couple games. And so you've got kind of a couple of different options as far as moving up in the standings. You can still kind of rely on them to lose or Troy. And you're already in the bye no matter what. So if you win your game, so take care of... I mean, just the fact of being in a place of controlling your destiny for anything after starting 0-4... You just can't really get past that because it's it just shown what this team's able, been able to do on the fly. Um, and then the other thing talked about, uh, ULM might have a guy back. Jordan Brown for Louisiana was out on Saturday when they played ULM because of COVID tracing. And so, I mean, if he plays on Thursday against Georgia Southern, we'll probably know he's available because he'll be playing that game. But possible thing up in the air or sorry when he plays them on Wednesday uh, possible thing up in the air for them he's one of their leading scorers definitely a more hobbled team if they don't have him available though they were still able to win against the Warhawks when they played last weekend what other crazy predictions do we have for this university I feel like <laughs> we're doing such a good job with the athletics that we might as well you know either play the lottery or you know find some other stuff to predict well what are we going to predict for this week in the sun belt? Like the the funny thing is like a lot could go crazy on Saturday or the final four, the top four seeds could be locked up. But after the Wednesday games, like it could all be done and dusted and you have Texas state wins the league app and Troy are settled in the two and the three spots. Georgia state's in the fourth. If they all win on Wednesday and it also could go down to the wire. If Texas state loses and either App or Troy win, then one of them could be the regular season champion on Friday if they win and Texas State also loses. And Texas State's got the Alabama road trip. It's tough. And Troy will have a hand in deciding whether they win the regular season title or not because they play Texas State. It can be the point where they can beat the team they need to pass in the standings and you know, it is, like I say, it's a bummer not even just because Georgia State's become accustomed to winning the Sun Belt and that that just is a nice feather in your cap of banner to hang, but getting the automatic NIT bid, no matter what happens in Pensacola, will be a nice boon for whoever is able to do it. Like, it isn't the win, like the not invited tournament isn't the, doesn't have the allure that it once had when they were basically the same tournament way back in the day, but it's still a postseason appearance that you're guaranteed to have. You're going to play probably at least one good school and maybe go on a run, catch some apathetic team who didn't make the tournament in, in their fields. And you know, just because Georgia State isn't in that situation doesn't mean you can ignore that the NIT bid is something that's valuable for whoever can find their way to the one seed once the action's done on Friday. 
Yeah, I, I don't necessarily like when people just kind of blow over the NIT. It's definitely something that's important. You know, the players care about it. Like you can watch the games and see, you know, that people try. Like people are absolutely putting it all on the line. Like it's still a tournament, you know. Um, right. And like Texas State just has to win one game and it's theirs. But they have the one road trip you look at and it's like if there was any road trip, you could really say, I think they could lose both these games, not just because of like they're not good, but just because Troy and South Alabama both have a lot to play for and are both good teams and winning on the road is hard. I mean, it's setting up for some good drama. It's going to be like uh, the final day of the Premier League. Just craziness happening everywhere. Sergio Aguero scoring a goal or something. Here's a fun fact. If Texas State does, in fact, win their one game that they need this weekend, they will be the uh, only team that is not Georgia State to go back to back regular season champions in the Sun Belt since Georgia State joined. I know that was a little convoluted, but like that's world revolves around Georgia State. I guess it does. It's a Georgia State pod. in, In terms of basketball in this conference, it absolutely does. You know, like and it. It's been kind of a hodgepodge in general, so I would imagine that that number goes back a little further. Like, there haven't been that many back-to-back champions. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. And, you know, technically Georgia State tied with Texas State because they did the divisions last year, but, eh, you know, Georgia State was... They were there, I suppose, but it wasn't... I think Texas State ended up with a better record than them last year, so... Yeah, well, got further than them, not that... It really matters when you lose in the championship. That is true. Not going to hang a got further than the other division champion banner. That's just sad. So moving on to baseball. Sweeps week continued on the baseball diamond as Georgia State won all four games and their season opening series against Purdue Fort Wayne. They won the first two comfortably by scores of 13-2 and 12-2, respectively, and then had to scrap out two tough wins late on Saturday and in the finale on Sunday. Panthers came back from a 5-1 deficit to win 6-5 on a Dalton Pearson game-winning sack fly to win Game 3, and they gave up three in the ninth inning in Game 4, but got that all-important 27th out to hold on for an 8-7 win. This week, the Panthers head on the road, first to Kennesaw on Wednesday for one game, and then down to Gainesville to face the Florida Gators for a weekend three-game set. First pitch is at 5 p.m. in Kennesaw, and the game is live on YouTube. Start times at Florida from Friday to Sunday are 6.30 p.m., 4 p.m., and 1 p.m. All of those games will be on SECN Plus and the ESPN app. They'll then head home and face Georgia Tech next Tuesday at the GSU Baseball Complex, and that game will start at 5 p.m. So, gentlemen, thoughts on baseball? Great success. Um you know, it's kind of a, you did what you needed to do. We talked about it. We kind of said three and one would be like the bare minimum that you would be a good result. And they went in and got the sweep. And not only that, they got tested in a couple of different situations. You know, they did the comeback in the third game of the series. They held on for dear life in the Sunday game and got the win and right down to the wire. Um, and then the other two games where they took care of business, took advantage of some sloppy defending and also got some timely hitting. You know, a guy like Max Ryerson's new to the team and is hitting in the top of the order. And you saw why he just kept getting hits this week. And uh, yeah, a lot that you can just chalk up to what you're supposed to do. But that's not always that bad. And 4-0 looks great on the on the website when you look at it. Yeah, baseball's not really a sport where you're just, you know, teams that are... Uh 
where, where the talent gap is there, you're not necessarily just going to blow everybody out. Um, so, you know, good on them for kind of hanging on for dear life in that fourth game. And, you know, also good on them for, you know, making a nice comeback in that Saturday game. I think if you're going to look at anything to take away from this weekend, you have to appreciate that they took care of business uh, in the first two games, you know, kind of blew out a weaker opponent, but still, you know, found a way after their, you know, starter and, you know, Trey Horton and Johnny Dow, you know, they didn't have necessarily the best game, but they, you know, got innings, got, you know, you got some length out of them and, you know, the bats kind of picked them up at the end there. And, you know, that's honestly, I can really ask for like that's, and one thing that I like about the team, I suppose, you know, and that's going to be something that I'm going to be watching as I, you know, as we move forward is it doesn't look like they're relying on the long ball. I felt like last year, you know, the offense kind of stagnated a little bit and they're, you know, it's not really moving guys over, you know, getting guys in. And I feel like, you know, they're getting doubles, they're getting sack flies, they're, you know, being smart on the base paths, they're, you know, trying to move guys over and, you know, play that old school brand of baseball. But, you know, I think home, home runs are fine. I'm not saying home runs are bad. Um, it's not what this podcast is. We don't believe that stuff, but it is important for you to be able to score in multiple ways. And, you know, that's that'll determine if you're a good team or a great team. And I think, you know, we're still trying to figure out what this Georgia State team is. Sure. But, you know, as the weather gets warmer, the ball will fly out of the park more. So if you have those fundamentals of being able to move guys over now, that's going to carry you through the spring. And, you know, that's that's how you end up keeping your season going on longer and longer. Yeah. And then the other side, 46 K's is a staff in the four game set, which is great. You know, a guy like Seth Clark faced. But. Six batters and struck out five of them. That's a pretty good K per nine, whatever you want to call. Um, and yeah, if there's continues to be that swing and miss from the staff, that'll be good. Uh, drawing some walks on the offensive side, that's good. And not only not relying on the long ball, you're not really, it seems pretty deep. Like when I first saw the, the lineup this weekend, you had Josh Smith hitting fifth and Will Myers hitting sixth, two of whom have been some of the better hitters in the last year for Georgia State. I was like, all right, so the guys in front of them have got to be offering a lot. If they're, you know, buried basically for, for all intents and purposes at five and six, and if you can have guys like that at five and six, you've got a deep lineup. And that's how it played out. You know, Ryerson had a great first series for Georgia State. Griffin Cheney led the team at 500 in the weekend. And certainly a lot to build on. Going to be interested to see how they handle, obviously, a tougher week. You know, Kennesaw's a good team. Florida's Florida speaks for itself. They have first round draft picks every year. Georgia Tech's a good team. And so we'll see, I guess. I don't think that a bad set of results this week is like, ah, well, Mirage. I think it's more likely that you can learn something good from this team from these games rather than learn something bad. But it'll be a stretch of games where, you know, single games against good teams on either side of a three game set all to like the the one against Kennesaw on the road the road trip to Florida and then at home against Georgia Tech you got a chance to put some wins together you know Florida lost 2 of 3 to Liberty last weekend so they're not infallible they're probably going to have a winning record again because they play Stetson in North Florida before they play Georgia State and they're probably not going to be happy about dropping a home series to Liberty so Got to factor that into the equation as well, but 
good set of games, playing some good teams, see where you line up and continue to go in this uh, early baseball season. So, of course, we teased in the beginning of this episode, but it is the last week of basketball games at the GSU Sports Arena. And uh, the four of us have spent a lot of time in that building. And I know each of us have our own favorite memories and uh, different things that we've experienced in there. So we're going to go around the uh, the virtual table, so to speak, and everyone's going to say their favorite stuff. And then we have a couple that you guys submitted to us on social media as well. But uh, first up, uh, Taylor, what you got? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was definitely hard to to pick just one. Um, I don't even know if I could choose uh, a singular one. I mean, just uh, you know, all of the the great um, you know game energy moments and just like uh, incredible um, you know just memories that we made in that building. It's it's been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, if I had to choose one that sticks out, I'd probably say that uh, that that buzzer beater against UTA in 2014, just like the culmination of an incredible finish finishing in, you know, the picture perfect way, um, you know, crowd going crazy. Um, that was yeah, a ton of fun. Um, but, uh, David, what about you? Okay. So I picked the overtime victory over Southern in 20, I think that was 2016 by this point, uh, the 2015, 2016 season. Um, I don't know why, but the, it was late in the second half and that image of Marcus Kreider just like skipping down the court after just really like high intensity play for him because that's you know that was what he was really good for, really known for. Um, and I, I can't even remember what happened that led to it, whether it was like a block or just like a steal or something. Was that the year of the Jeff Thomas putback dunk? I think Against that Southern? was. The, I think that was the next year. Okay, because yeah. that would make. Any man skip, you know, that <laughs> right. way. Right. Um, but no, it's just like, it was just a really high intensity moment in a very close game. You know, you didn't expect it to be that close because Southern was not great that year and Georgia State was pretty good. Um, but it's, you know, it was a dogfight as rivalry games are. And, you know, Georgia State ended up pulling it out. And I just, you know, Criders like skipping and then they started playing swag surfing and, you know, Sports Arena was just going crazy. But, I don't know. It was just a really, really fun moment. And that that moment is just always ingrained in my brain when I think, you know, when somebody like on the street asks me like, oh, Georgia State basketball, you know, I don't tell them about that moment. But like my head is always replaying that moment time and time again. Yeah, another one is uh, the 2015 game against Southern at home to clinch the Sun Belt. Definitely up there. One by 17, too. So just took care of business. Um Mine was also the UTA game in 2014. And it was also Sean on Twitter who put it up and I was like, he stole it. I wanted to say this one because I, there's a lot of layers to why that game was good. And the first of it is just, it was the best basketball game I've seen in the sports arena. You know, it went to overtime. UTA lit it up to start the game. I think they're up by close to or up at 20 at the half or just before the half and just couldn't miss. And it was a big comeback. You had RJ make that three that like he took off set or like he was trying to draw a foul and didn't get it. So he just threw up a shot and it went in anyway. And then Devontae White hitting that three from like six feet beyond the arc to send it to overtime. And the other layer to it is that you still were undefeated in conference at that point. Obviously later on that year, 
Troy beat Georgia State when Troy, when Georgia State went to Troy and ended up being 17-1 in the Sun Belt that year. But at that point, that was still to keep run SBC alive. And so really felt like a special moment. And again, just a heck of a basketball game. All right, so I'll go ahead and close up. I'm going to cheat and give you guys two, but one one is one's about sports and one's about me. But uh, the first one uh, about sports, uh, 2012, uh, it was against Tennessee State. The uh, I think it was Thanksgiving break, so the band wasn't playing. It was like one of the maybe four or five games I attended where I was not in the band or doing photography for Thursday night or whatever. Uh, I'm sitting there in the student section with all those guys, who the crazy people who would camp out in front of the sports arena on the sidewalk. Uh, all the Hunterville stuff and everything. Rashad Richardson at the buzzer, deep three to uh, lift the Panthers to victory over the Tennessee State Tigers. And deep then three. it was like 70 feet. I mean, that's deep, is it not? He just inbounds deep the ball, th- throws it off him, swish. Deep three is like what RJ did his whole career. That was a heave. That was like a hail. Like, got to put some top all right, 10. So, clar- clarified by Brady. Down. Thank you there. But it was really cool because I think that was like the first time as a Georgia State student that I felt like I was part of a uh, like an actual really cool basketball experience. The students rushed the court. I think the I think the guys in the front row of the student section actually broke the fence on the front of the bleachers and like jumped over the uh, the media table right there. It was a lot of fun. That's like that's the moment. I think it was Ron Hunter's second season as head coach. It's like, hey, we've got a really, really cool basketball environment. And then. uh I guess the the second one, my personal thing that that time I got a thousand dollars from the Georgia Lottery in the last game I was in pet band after hearing the uh, the promo thing for uh, I don't know what four years like hey students can enter to get money I'm like man I never win this thing I was like hey I get a text on my phone it's like you won a thousand dollars I'm like absolutely no way but that was fun and then we beat Georgia Southern and then we don't talk about the Sun Belt tournament that year but yeah lots and lots and lots of good stuff let's go ahead and head on to uh, social media where you guys gave us some of your favorite things that you saw in the sports arena. All right, so just a brief recap of some of the things you guys posted. Uh, Daniel Wilson agrees with you guys about the 2015 win over Georgia Southern. That was a great game. Uh, see, we've got some mentions of the great baby race, of course. That was a absolutely iconic moment every year that we were uh, able to see that shot. There's out. some Georgia State pedigree in that, too. Yeah. To get a band director baby win, at least... I think one or two sports information babies won. I think so. A long history of uh, a very athletically talented Which, babies have come yeah. to the third floor. And then Sam Pierce Harold the Third says, I graduated in May of 2001 in that arena. My dorm mate and friend and I walked from the North Avenue Village before they became uh, Georgia Tech dorms in our graduation robes all the way to the arena that day. So fun. I also remember catching many a Thursday basketball game in that arena after class. Uh, he says that would have been between 1997 and 2000. So uh, for those of you keeping track at home, that's like three miles in May. Absolute dedication. In wearing, graduation presumably robes. Presumably wearing nice clothes in a cap and gown. That I would not have I would not have walked three miles wearing that. I'll tell you that right now. But, in an interesting twist of fate, I had my graduation at McCamish Pavilion because they had already knocked down the uh, Georgia Dome when I graduated. Did I did not walk. I got I got a ride. I did not have that dedication. Soft. I'm well cop to that. I'm it was also December. <laughs> yeah, not quite the same thing as May. Uh, there's a couple other good ones, and one of the commenters actually said that they met their uh, spouse at a uh, sports arena event in 1990, which is super cool. That's a uh, 
a nice memory to have. And they're now season ticket holders. So that's that's cool. That's a, what, 30, 32 years? God, we're old now. I'm telling you, GSU Jam is just, it's it's great for a lot of things. That it is. That it is. So all sorts of really cool memories. Uh, I am going to put out a piece later this week before the final game, talking a little bit more about it. So be on the lookout for that. But thanks to everyone who contributed for that. And of course, one more thing this week, we have Sports Bits. And boy, do we have Sports Bits this week. It is an absolutely jam-packed schedule for your Panthers. So tomorrow, or today as of the release of this podcast, Wednesday, softball at Georgia Tech at 3 p.m. on the ACC Network, baseball at Kennesaw State. 5 p.m. on YouTube TV, men's basketball versus ULM in the sports arena, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus, WRAS FM 88.5. Thursday, women's basketball at Louisiana Lafayette, 7 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Friday, good Lord, Friday, there's a lot of stuff. Men's tennis at Kennesaw State at 5 p.m. Beach volleyball at Tulane for the Green Wave Invitational starting at 10.30 a.m. Softball at Kennesaw State for the I-75 Challenge. Kennesaw at 4.30 p.m. Baseball at Florida, Gainesville at 6.30 p.m. And SEC Network Plus. Softball versus East Tennessee State in Kennesaw at 7 p.m. And then men's basketball versus Louisiana, the final game in the sports arena, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus, WRAS FM 88.5. But you want to be there in person, Brady and I will be. Uh, Saturday, beach volleyball versus Spring Hill College in New Orleans at 10.30 a.m. Women's tennis versus Kennesaw State at 11 a.m. Softball versus Jacksonville State in the I-75 Challenge in Atlanta at 1 p.m. Women's soccer versus Truett McConnell in Atlanta, 1 p.m. Beach volleyball versus Nichols in New Orleans at 1.15 p.m. Softball versus Jacksonville State in the I-75 Challenge in Atlanta at 3 p.m. Women's basketball at UL Monroe, 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Baseball at Florida, 4 p.m. SEC Network Plus. Men's soccer versus Mercer in Atlanta at 4 p.m. And then Sunday, men's tennis versus Florida Gulf Coast University in Atlanta at 11 a.m. Softball versus Penn State in the I-75 Challenge in Atlanta at noon. Baseball at Florida, 1 p.m. on SEC Network Plus. Men's tennis versus UAB in Atlanta at 4 p.m. Monday, men's golf taking on Coastal Carolina in the Lake Las Vegas Intercollegiate in Henderson, Nevada. That is an all-day event. And then Tuesday, March 1st, we've got men's golf doing that again all day. And then baseball versus Georgia Tech at the GSU Baseball Complex at 5 p.m. on ESPN+. And then Wednesday, men's golf again in Lake Las Vegas Intercollegiate in Henderson, Nevada. Women's basketball in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament opening round in Pensacola, and then softball versus Auburn in Atlanta at 6 p.m. So tons of opportunities to get out there, see the Panthers, keep up online, whatever you want to do to see what shakes up in Panther athletics this week. Boy, that's a mouthful. Get out there, support the Panthers. We will see you at the arena on Friday. Hope to see you there. Go and to the games. Yes, go, to the, go to the games. Can't can't say you've been to the sports arena ever again after it absolutely Friday. to me that it was like this month was the last month of games. And it's, and it's like, I'm not going to be in the arena for games any longer. Like, Unfortunately, I'm going to be going out of town, so I'm not able to attend. So my final game in the sports arena was the final game before the COVID year oh, got no. shut down. The loss to Southern? Oh, Ooh. yep. That's also the you last gotta, game I went to in the sports arena, but it's not going to be. You got to uh, find a way to like get in there for like a pickup game to two. 
just so you can have a different basketball <laughs> game memory. Like, yeah, that can't be your last one. Pickup game not- versus Mike Vermarietta. Maybe at, maybe at half court. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna I'll, get an email in a little bit. <laughs> like, I'll throw the ball up for you guys. Up. I'll play the rest. Yeah, David will toss the the opening tip. Uh, all jokes aside, seriously, uh, go out there and enjoy uh, the last little bit of Panthers basketball in the sports arena before we move down the street to the shiny new digs in the fall, if all goes to according to plan. But yeah, have a fantastic week. Go Panthers, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.